Our guest Michelle Lee was born in Hong Kong and was educated locally in a Catholic school and went on to a Jesuit school in the States to major in business while minoring in illustration at the Academy of Art College in San Francisco. After pursuing a lifelong career in advertising and branding, in 2017, Michelle began her career teaching herself Chinese brush ink painting as something to pass the time while taking care of her ailing mother who had a stroke. Her interest in ink paintings morphed into a way to create a more philanthropic based art practice. In this talk, we also discuss her Christian life, the concept of prayer versus meditation, and how one can become a more charitable person. Since I started this project, people know who know me for a long time are kind of like surprised for what I can turn into or become an artist at a later stage. And they talk to me. They actually seek me out to understand more how I do it. A lot of them, they have the full time or experience doing something more practical, but they have that artistic side inside them. And they want to know, like, how, how do I do it? Can they do that also at the same time? I would tell them, like, do not intellectualize or analyze too much of, like, can you do it or can you not? You would notice or you would get to discover that if you can do it or not eventually. It's not the result that matters that make you do it, but it's just because you want to do it. So I think don't really make it over overanalyze what it is because it's actually maybe just a pottery, it's just a, a dish or something like just keep it lightly for yourself. And afterwards, like after these people talking to me, knowing that it's not really something like a science. So they pick it up and quite a number of them, they turn it into a regular project. And they and they tell me afterwards that they, I've been drawing right now, like as you said, and I saw you can do it and I do it now. And some people actually even sprang into art from painting to um, ceramic and doing pottery. And they really want to keep it really as a disciplined side of, of theirs. I'm really happy because I inspire them to, to confront themselves and to do something which is more daring, which is truly my intention. Just look at me and you can do it at the same time. Michelle Lee's goal is to make art affordable, charitable and enjoyable while raising funds for the city's senior folks, creating awareness amongst her social circle that the importance of pursuing passion projects alongside a full-time career is something worth dedicating lifelong. A self-taught artist, Michelle's art brings about connection that leads to convergence. It's all about connecting the dots, bringing people together and creating impact through art. It should be noted that a major portion of the studio's revenue is donated to local Hong Kong charities that take care of the poor, the elderly and the disadvantaged. 10% of all her art sales are always donated. To date, Michelle's studio has raised over 317,500 Hong Kong dollars. Michelle looks forward to many more opportunities to create art spread awareness, and help Hong Kong become a better city through charity. We welcome Michelle Lee to the table. It's like, like uh, have a progressive new year, something like that. But okay. we don't really say that. We only say like, Gong Fa Chai. <laughs> <laughs> it's very materialistic. 
Wait, what what does it translate into specifically? It's like I wish you a lot of wealth. <laughs> is is like money. <laughs> Oh, so right. yeah, so it's like yeah, that that's very Chinese thing. <laughs> a lot uh, of wealth, yeah, can be a lot, spiritual. A lot of wealth. <laughs> I'm gonna take it as abundance in the sense. Yes, like, I could take it as like spiritual wealth, family wealth. I think this. A lot of people have emigrated now, not in Hong Kong, and they want to do it. Like, okay, uh, can you tell us like that in Spanish? Can you say that in Swedish? And then people, I, I hear it from the radio, and I was like. We don't really say that. <laughs> we will just like wish you a lot of happiness and joy. So it's like, oh, in Chinese, we actually really mean it to like, okay, a lot of wealth first, um, because I think um, it's a tradition. Some people do the gambling at home, um, playing the the、uh, mahjong definitely. So it's a lot of wealth, and that really marks a great year if you win something. <laughs> How has your lunar new year been? Um, it's been a lot of cooking. <laughs> That's good because it's eating at home and with family friends. Yeah, so I think um, I'm making some elaborate dish which I do not normally cook <laughs> because that takes a lot of time. <laughs> so that was like pretty much for the like um, um, day one and day two. And today is more like chilling and、good. and relaxing, picking and up podcasting. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so for all、Oops. for all our li- listeners, this is the episode two of season two. It's a February episode with artist Michelle Lee. We actually did this podcast episode already. We recorded it already, and because of I don't know what, maybe you could t- help me figure out why or what. But the first recording, it's the first time it's ever happened to me. I didn't press record. And I just realized we had such a great conversation, and it was like really great vibe, really great energy. And I said, "Okay, let me check out the recording. Nothing in the computer, nothing on the you know online files." And I'm like, "Oh my god, we never pressed record." And my friend was like, "Well, it's Mercury in retrograde," and I'm like, <laughs> "Well, okay." And then I asked, I was so apologetic, and you said you had a headache the whole time. It was so, part of it, yeah. There was a a time at at one point, yeah. Yeah. So maybe and, it was a good dry run, you know. And at least now I know how to structure the conversation. And、uh, yeah. And then you, this is the next date you're available, which is the third day of Chinese New Year, which I think is actually quite better. Like it's a little bit like it's new start, Year of the Tiger, twenty twenty two. My first podcast of the Lunar New Year. I think it's a it's it's a little bit better energetically for me. What? How about you? Right. You yes,、um, it's actually quite interesting, not、uh, in a fun way.、Um, there's a tradition for Chinese people on Chinese New Year. The third day is meant to be like there would be argument if you meet people out, if you talk, and then there would be that. It's like kind of like okay.、Um, That that you you can dig in deeper and and find out the third day of Chinese New Year there would be argument if you meet people up and chat and I think it's a good way to actually break this. Right. <laughs>、uh, yeah, and there's like okay, we we should actually even talk more because just for the sake of like meeting up and and chat further. Yeah. Well, that's just too bad because first day quiet, you know,、uh, second day quiet for me. I stayed at home. So、um, yeah, let's get right into it. 
tell me about you and tell me about what you do. I am a brand manager, just to explain myself like in, in a career point of view. Um, I'm a brand manager for a restaurant company in Hong Kong. We operate Vietnamese food. And so what I do basically is uh, working with a lot of creative people, um, such as you. We begin um, to meet because I'm seeking your professional help and uh, consultancy for interior design. And I work with photographer, visual graphic designer for menus and our branding, um, like brand identities. So basically, this is uh, I'm like a bridge between my company and all the other more creative people um, um, from from design industry. After so that's work, how we yeah. that's how we collaborated. That's how we met. We, yes. That's how we met. That's how we collaborated. And we have a lot of mutual friends. We have Danielle and Louise as mutual friends. And I actually collect creative energies and try to use that for my own project, which I am a artist. Yeah. I do ink artwork. And so, so that, that is your Superman superhero persona. <laughs> so during the day, you're Clark Kent, you're working at this, you know, you know, big time, amazing uh, food group in the city. And then at nighttime or in the weekends, you put on your superhero cape. Yes. That's something I really enjoy. Um, I would draw like, Pretty much actually only during the weekend. Weekday night, I would try to like chill out more and more about resting and then uh, wear that superhero and transform myself into an artist, which I really like because I don't get to have that education. I'm a self-learned artist, but I really like ink art. So I do that um, weekend and I, I've been doing that for five years now. And I'm um, lucky enough to collaborate with a few brands and um, commission projects. And I sell my art at Art Fair. And so that's um, a very, I think, very, very lucky path for, for five years for, for what I've been doing. You said you're self-trained, but you are a trained graphics designer and branding designer, correct? Um, no, I actually have not been educated oh, in wow. any sense. Yes. But you're I've, so great at what you do in identity design. I'm surrounded by designers, so I learn from them. I was majoring in business administration and focused in finance when okay. I was in San Francisco, and I took an MBA when I was in Boston. So I was really more on a marketing or a business side, but I wasn't really trained that way. But so I took did, a few elective in art. When did you start transitioning into creative instead of you know the business side of things? For what I've been doing, I was in advertising, I was in branding agency, I was client at Tourism Australia. I have many jobs before, but they're all like more on the business side, but not so much into art. So I have, I've collected that energy and desire, I think, long enough. And I only started like five years ago. You have such a great aesthetic and a great curatorial eye. In a way, you know, you picked working with us and you picked working with certain creatives for your projects. You have a really great taste. So I guess that's really something that you can't really learn in school. That's something that you, you know, you have to trust your instinct about who, what kind of people you want to work with and what kind of people would be great for your projects. I assume, right. I, I assume that's a natural instinct for you. For the time I've spent with a designer and the creative agency, more, I think, very much influenced by um, the time when I was at White Space, like our common right. friend Danielle. And that really makes an important, um, um, really important for, for the growth. 
for what I see and what has been kind of like a seed sowing inside my heart and mind. Back to what you do, you're an artist after hours. And would you call yourself a professional artist by now? Because I'm, you made a life transition like five years ago to add right. this to your life. I'm glad a lot of people get to know Slasher now because I'm a brand person slash artist. Right. But I'm really hoping to get the to get myself into this like completely like full on full time. Right. And right. this is kind of still I'm in the process. I would say I'm artist, but I wouldn't really define myself as professionally or for the amount of time that I want to spend. But because I have a daytime job. Yeah, you're a creative soul. (laughs) I mean, yes. Yeah, I would very much define myself as being a a creative soul. You're right. Yeah. But you're a multidisciplinary artist. So tell us all of the things that you do for yourself as an artist. I pretty much work with ink but on different medium i was lucky to be invited to work on some um cement um lucky cat which is actually three-dimensional last year and i started off like really traditional medium like um art paper rice paper that's pretty much a dominant um dominating medium but i'm now into doing more really less two-dimensional. I'm hoping to do resin. I'm hoping, I'm painting on on, on some more um, three-dimensional items like a fan or um, I was invited to, to work on clothing, a garment and, and fashion brand. So I think the medium-wise is like um, I'm leaping into something less traditional, but they're but all also, about ink art. Yeah. You also do candles. Candles I was doing for a few years, but I'm now taking a break. Um, but I enjoyed it as as a way to, I think, to give a chance for people to collect my art, not only the painting, but to do something a bit more easy um, to collect. So I source container and pour soy wax by myself. And that's also a self-learned craft, um, which I enjoy. But then uh, I was used, I was doing that for, for a couple of years and that is purely a charity fundraising project. And also my art is also fundraising. But for the candle, it was non- non-profit. That's amazing. So you started out in MBA, um, in business school, and then you moved on to working with uh, Identity Studio, a branding graphic studio, White Space with Daniel Hothart. And then you le- that's when you learned how to curate aesthetically and to curate creatives. And then now you moved to the restaurant group where you started collaborating with creatives like us, like me and photographers to work on, um, you know, amazing restaurant concepts. And now you have moved on to your, to, to ink brush painting within the last five years, would you say five, six years? So after our last podcast recording to my readers, I'm so sorry. Suddenly I'm starting to get like, you know, like allergies. Uh, maybe it's this wool coat I'm wearing because um, it's so cold in here. I don't have a heater for some reason. And it, Hong Kong oh. is really cold at the moment. It's like 15 degrees. Anyway, Hong Kong never gets as cold. So it's just like really freezing right now. But in any rate, so sorry about when you hear sniffles, <laughs> it, it's me. And after our last, last podcast episode, I purchased a print from you, an A2 size print. And I really love that print because it was a black composition. 
Well, it was a black ink on white. So there was no color or any, anything. And it was like, it looked like a river. Like there looked like there was flowing river. And it, it, it wasn't a certain direction because you could literally put it like upside down, right side right. up. You can hang it any way you want. And you could do horizontal, you could do vertical, but it showed not a straight path, but a curved path. Like it moved up and then it moved down and then moved off the page like an S. And it reminded me personally, because, you know, it's, it's quite abstract. Um, it's an abstract form to me. And it reminded me personally of a river running through a wavy riverbank but it also reminded me of a winding road. I purchased that because our company had a Chinese New Year raffle. We always have it every year. And this year we, we, per, we supported Hong Kong creatives of which you are one instead of buying, you know, gadgets and things. <laughs> and um, did my designer Dominic tell you that he won? No, we haven't had a chance to chat yet. Oh, okay. I'm glad. <laughs> he won it. He won it. And it was, it was approved by his function master because it looked like flowy river. It looked like right. flow. And that's your whole thing, right? Like flow, like that your compositions are all about flow. And it kind of, kind of reminds me of the kind of paths that we take in life where we go left and then we go right and then, you know, we kind of wander and then meander. It, we, you know, we go where our desire takes us. I don't know, but tell, tell me more about your compositions. My, my goodness, you mentioned a lot of like um, adjective that is actually title of my art. <laughs> so for what you bought is, I name it as detour because it's obviously is moving from one, um, from one direction to another and then going to the opposite. So it's, it's, um, my art is very motivational. I hope like people would find it. there's a direction because of the energy that I want to instill into it. I is my intention to bless people through my art. I want, I want to motivate people when they look at it. There is something that they feel there is a thrust of energy that would be inside the people that they probably untap are unknown or is unveiled. And then when they look at it, um, this is true. Like, like my purpose and intention. I hope people, when they look at it, at least they feel comfortable is calming and I, I want people to feel um, invigorated. And so if keywords to describe my art, I'm hoping is positive. It's a lot of positive energy, um, energizing, um, is kind, is motivational, and is happy. Well, you want to put it at your house or at the place where you actually, um, day in and day out, you can look at it. It can calm you and it can give you soothing feelings. So I, I'm really hoping to bless people through my art. All right. When we come back, we'll talk more about her compositions and how she gets into uh, her mental space and heart space when she works on her art. We'll be right back. Whenever you talk about your art, you talk about how you want to make people feel through the art. Obviously, as an interior designer, I always have to think about how people feel 
because interior design is not art. I mean, it is, you can do it in an artful way, but in the end of the day, people will be eating in the restaurant. People will be living in the space. People will be working in the space or playing in the space. So for me, there's a programmatic and people component. And obviously in whatever I design, I want people to feel good, right? And I, and I want there to be a spirit in the space that I design. But in art, you actually have the freedom to not have to think about other people. You have the freedom to, it's not like architecture and interior design. There are no rules for art. So a lot of artists, they never think about other people. So how did you get into the space where it's more, it's people first for you when you do the composition rather than Michelle Lee first? Or am I reading this wrongly? To begin with, the art itself, when I was practicing, when I'm doing it, when I'm drawing, is already something I enjoy a lot. I think that is already, um, the process has already been a release of energy for me, like for to do something which I can choose, I can be the boss, I don't need approval for in any sense. And that already has been really achieved like kind of like accomplish the mission of what, why I'm into art. I want to do something that I want to create and produce something. And I have been, I, and I benefit during the process. So on a second level, I want people, if there's a chance that is being, um, that it can reach out to people, I'm really hoping to create an impact through my art. So the process itself already makes me feel very enjoyable. I, I already benefit from that. So on pretty much on the second level, which dominates a much larger aspect of my art. I want people to enjoy it. I want to reach out as much as I could because I want to help people. But how can I do it? I cannot, there's only a limited number of people I can reach out. But if I can do it through some other medium or form, and such as this podcast, such as my website, my social media, what can I do? I cannot I'm, I'm not a preacher. I'm not like a, a function master. I can do it through my art. So I'm really putting people first and how they would respond and want to help them in that sense. So um, not only do I raise funds for elderly in Hong Kong, a, a num- that's a very focused group of number of people I want to reach out, but I hope to reach out to a larger number of people. So I think that's because of the intention. I want, I want to help people to create awareness like we let's be let's be kind to others and you can do it the way you want you can be a musician you can be a poet you can be an artist even if your daytime job does not allow you to do that you can choose to do something at your spare time a lot of the proceeds that you get from selling your work actually goes to charities and that that is putting you know dollars uh, physical dollars translating your your need to outreach to other people and and I get your newsletters and you always send us a report people subscribing to your newsletters regarding which charities you donate the proceeds of your art to and how much that's amazing in total how much have you donated to charities like combined since you started doing you know art translation to charity Cumulatively, I've been able to donate around 330,000 Hong Kong dollars, and I only donate on a like on a uh, on a minimum 
level of ten thousand. So basically, each time if I manage to 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 uh, raise more, so that that's a minimum of of ten thousand or above. So I recently just donated once for uh, during Chinese New Year. I always try to donate um, during best of season in Hong Kong. So that that's that's how far we we have been. Art actually is a medium for you to be able to reach out and extend beyond your physical boundaries that you're capable of, right? It right. allows you to really bridge and communicate with everybody, which I think is wonderful because you know we live in an age where people are you know wanting to create sides, to pick different sides, to pick. Uh, to choose a side, you know, you're either on my side or you're on their side. If you're not on my side, then you're against me. And um, so it's really great to see that you devote a lot of your energy, not only to enriching yourself, your soul, your, you know, your whole spirit through this process, but doing it in a way to bridge, you know, to communicate to everybody. I'm I'm actually very glad to see that art has been so popular in the last three years. And actually, when I just begun to draw, and uh, soon after one one year, I think I've already been invited to participate in affordable art fair, which I was really, um, really glad, excited, and thrilled that time because I was extremely new, like having like being a self learned artist and don't really have a professional training. And soon afterwards, art is really such a popular subject. And I'm glad that people would consider to to put art, to integrate art into their space. And um, sadly, in a way, because of COVID, and people really spend a lot of time at home or the space where they like work from home mode, and they want to really improve um, the living condition, not really for the function of it, but really aesthetically. And that really helps me um, to, to reach out to people because they feel a need or desire to decorate their house. And I have a tagline for my project. I, I, I actually like have that for a few years already. Art made affordable, charitable, and enjoyable. I really hope that art is not so expensive in a way in terms of the price tag that they can actually afford my art and put something they really like and that would motivate them with a good intention because for the energy that I, for the intention I have for the art and if they put it at their house, I hope that would bless them and that would encourage them to do something on their own in a way for, for a more practical perspective. But if they want to enjoy it for the people that come and visit their house, they would, they would think, it's more spiritual that would connect them for and there's a, a sense of real like they can relate to it resonance so i'm i'm hoping to do that and that has been really focused from begin to now um that's something i'm very dedicated and clear about when you do your artworks you have an intention to make people feel this way or you know or to or to feel you know a certain kind of emotion my process is to begin with a very broad brush stroke and then I would add color or, or the other way I add color first and then add brush stroke. And I, I would build a lot of details using my, my dots to my fine outliner. So for the core composition, it can be really quick because it's spontaneous. I draw 
the brushstroke the way I want that day. I do not do any draft. It's all spontaneous. I no planning because for the probably the daytime job I've been always doing, I plan a lot. I want to be as free, carefree and spontaneous as possible. So um, it could be 10, 15 minutes to build a composition or sometimes maybe I'm, I'm thinking a little bit further. I'm So it could, it could span from 15 minutes to maybe a couple of hours, but that's actually quite quick too. Is everything that you're doing like the most amazing thing or are there pieces where you're after 10 to 15 minutes to an hour, you're like, okay, this is absolute crap. I got to throw this away. Like, are there, you know, are they all masterpieces or are there some, you know, chunks in the, in right. the pile? It's interesting for myself that there are things that I do not like it a lot after drawing it, maybe for the first few compositions, but I never really trash them. I would keep them. I, so because for the reason I, I draw only weekend, I can keep them for months and I would take them out and see if I can build further. So there is actually no crap in a way. There is like for the percentage of time that I spend, um, it's just that there are pieces which quite immediately that you would know that you enjoy a lot and is like you're, you're kind of saying like they're the masterpiece, like very popular ones. But there are also the um, ones that are, that don't, turned out to be as brilliant to begin with, but then later on is all about my eyes or, or heart, my, my emotions for a certain time that I can turn them around. There are many, many occasions I actually have turned art around from crap to favorite. <laughs> so I think that's really uh, actually very en enjoyable and motivating because I can turn things around. It's like life is, there's no defined situation for certain things and I think there are a lot of possibilities and I that's how I like to that that's why I like to, to draw too when you say that you have an intention to make certain people feel a certain way do you think about this intention when you're doing each composition or do you have the same intention each time or do you have a different intention I guess what I'm trying to do trying to connect to is when I do interior design, when I do this house, I have a certain intention for that house. When I do this restaurant, I have a slightly different intention for the restaurant. Or when I do restaurant A versus restaurant B, I, I, I have certain intentions emotionally when I go into designing certain things. Does your intention stay the same or do you tweak it for certain compositions? I tweak it for commission projects, like when I'm I'm being briefed for a specific project, then that would be the time that I would pour a certain type of intention into it. I would get to know why that person wants that piece of art for whichever location they want to be. If I get to know as a boardroom or as a reception. So I I, I think not like that I would draw very differently, but I think I I would have that in mind um, to create something that I would feel that that spirit or energy to pour into it. So when you're not being commissioned, when you're just you know free freewheeling flow, yeah, what, yeah, flowing. What intention do you usually put in to those works? Uh, most of the time, when it's super free flow, I would hope to pour something like daring like courage so because i i'm hoping 
to be more different because from to break away from what I cannot do during the daytime. So I would be at during my free time, I would really do pick color, which is really less predictable, shocking pink, and really bright, vibrant orange and something really, really pop. And so that's, and then I feel really good because that's not so commonly as not accepted, but then is like, is, is something less predictable is, is truly what, um, invigorates me. I like contrast. I like super bold contrast. So I use red and black and white a lot and, um, and shocking pink, which is one of my favorite. And I think that is for more personal projects or pieces that I would choose to be super daring. I hope people can be courageous, um, and, and confident in their own way too. So when you put in different intentions, for example, for when you freewheel your art or, you know, a composition that you're commissioned for, for example, I commissioned you for several compositions for a project I was doing in Manila. What do you like better? Do you like better having a brief and and, and responding to a certain client um, commission or do you like freewheeling better in terms of you know, the creativity and the intention you put into it? Having a brief is actually very challenging for, for me. Um, it sounds like it's more specific and there's less experiment involved, but then to address that through my art, which actually I would say is very carefree, is very challenging. Um, that was a very early stage for me when you commissioned me for the, um, for the restaurant in Manila. And I was like really struggling because I do not know how to apply a certain brief into abstract art, like what I was doing. But I feel that is truly a, um, a challenge. And that would actually makes me a better artist if I want to be really involved in more commercial projects. It was really hard for me, but I feel like I should confront more and counter more of those commercial projects just to work out better for people who wants to use my art, but they have a specific needs. As artists, of course, we want to be as free as possible. But I think to really be a more polished or seasoned artist, we really need to get that, um, get that straight, get it sorted out in a better way, more professional way. When we come back, we'll talk about how she pivoted to Chinese ink brush art from, you know, a life in project management and, and branding and the business of design. Uh, all right, we'll be right back. I don't really... Um, defined as Chinese ink artwork because my art is actually not very Chinese ink artwork, but right. I use Chinese ink. So, uh, but I was inspired by a lot of like Chinese um, master. So I think I would just say as ink artwork. How did this journey start for you? Were you always an admirer of Chinese ink artworks? I wasn't, not really. But then when I start to really look into art more, I'm very drawn to ink artwork, including Japanese um, calligrapher. 
and Chinese calligrapher or um, Asians with an influence of Western art, but then um, they do calligraphy at the same time. So I actually learned very like uh, for a very short period of time from a very um, renowned Chinese um, calligrapher in Hong Kong. And I realized I don't really like to write Chinese character, so I stopped. But I, I'm really drawn to the broad brushstroke that it conveys, like the energy conveys. So I was always looking at it. And then I want to pick it up and want to give it a try. So I think that's pretty much, um, there are certain type of art or things that you're drawn to. I think a lot of people do. So that's how it begins. What happened in your life that gave you the courage to, you know, get off of your bum and to just give this whole new thing a, a try for you? It was like six years ago. I was my mom who got a very bad stroke. And um, sadly, so from that time onwards, she asked to spend all her time at home and losing, like deteriorating actually and losing mobility. So I've chosen to be with her whenever I can after work. I have the support with like um, helpers and family, but I still want to spend as much time as possible at home. But patients like her, like um, elderly and their pattern is very unpredictable. Is There's no set pattern like she, she naps at a certain time, wake up certain time, so you can schedule your your time uh, in a more efficient manner. So it's very sporadic and random. So I have to stay home really all the time, like going around like she's my universe, which is in a good way. I want to do things what suits her. So there's so limited things I can do only. And I started to see what I can do at home, like um, which is flexible. So I... That time is like, I, I have no reason. I, I can't explain why I picked up painting. Um, ink is the easiest, one of the easiest medium and um, less major, less complicated. I can't choose oil. <laughs> That's not suitable for patient at home. So it's actually, I'm a very practical person. I picked ink and I can actually draw and stop anytime. So it, it, in a way, it, it gives me that, that flexibility, but I enjoy a lot. So it's kind of like... Um, I'm random, unintentional, but it started with my mom. So that's kind of like the, the how it begins. So you started drawing uh, and painting while you were keeping her company. Right. Dual purpose. <laughs> right. And it, well, did you think it was kind of a stress relief or? Oh, or? definitely. Um, helping out or taking care of patient um, is super demanding. And it's not, not something kind of like we know how to do it because every day is a different situation every minute I should say so is is something that stresses out us out a lot mentally and physically so and that is something I wasn't thinking it is kind of therapeutic or helpful but as I sprang into it the more I do the more I feel like I should do it and I want to do it so that's actually helping me out as a person and to train my patients in a way, because when you're released, like you're, you're you release your stress in one way, you, you can accommodate or you can cope with more. And I encourage people to do that whenever, like, like not, not meaning you have someone to take care of, but then really find an outlet for your energy that can actually soothe you down. 
calm you down. Would you say that the ink brush paintings that you were doing helped center you or and ground you? Yes, very much. Um, that's very good way to uh, like, like, thank you. The description, it, it grounded me. It um, really aligned me just like your, your podcast subject is alignment. When we find a way to align ourselves to find that core or focus, I think that really helps us as a person in general. And you, you wouldn't notice not until you really practice it for a period of time. Yes. So it seems like because you went to business school and you, and then you transitioned to creativity, what is the percentage of yourself that, you know, makes the mind work for you and what percentage makes the heart work for you? Because I, for me, I find creativity really emotional, but I also find, you know, project management, business, everything, you know, mind and intellect based. A lot of our listeners are both. A lot of our listeners are on one side of the spectrum. A lot of our listeners are on the other side of the spectrum. For me, I get a feeling that you are actually both 50-50 um, because I find it, what, what, I'm, what I'm hearing is that you found this meditative mode of, of art from a logical standpoint, because I didn't do oil because it's too messy to be with my mom around. So I do ink and it was very logical, right? But the way you got there wasn't emotional. The way you got there was logical, but what it did for you was spiritually and emotionally liberating. I found I find that contrast really funny and really interesting. What do you what do you think? I started my life as a very logical or or planning is pretty much a big side or the majority of my life. You plan everything from education like like finance, business administration is all about good planning. And for that background that I was being um, exposed to, I have that ability to not plan my art, but I can actually factor that skill set. Like when I start to draw, I know how to stop. <laughs> because when I was working in branding agency, like all of my designers, they have been like doing every task and spending tremendous num like amount of hours and energy not knowing when to stop or how much to pour and without really a a focus on where where they're heading to i think for that experience i i had so i know kind of like half half but then half planner half artist and that really helps me in keeping up with my project in knowing okay this is pure passion project this is commercial project i think that i do not have to struggle for a, like a struggle a lot but i enjoy that i i think to some artists that is like kind of weird but i truly think that is an advantage that i have that experience to begin with as a planner and then like strung into being an artist i think that is actually helping me kind of like move in a not full force but faster is like I'm fast forwarding the process because I start late I want to actually do more by like doing it in a, in a more um, planned manner what is your advice for people who 
are more intellectually um, minded or I don't know academic rather than you know artistic. What do you? What is your advice for people who are more that and then moving into a more creative persona or or being or purpose? Since I started this project, people know who know me for a long time are kind of like surprised for what I can turn into or become an artist at a later stage. And they talk to me. They actually seek me out to understand more how I do it. And because they're interested, they're actually, a lot of them, they have the full time or experience doing something more practical, but they have that artistic side inside them. And they want to know, like, how, how do I do it? Can they do that also at the same time? I would tell them, like, do not intellectualize or analyze too much of like, can you do it or can you not? You would notice or you would get to discover that if you can do it or not eventually, because um, it's not the result that matters that make you do it, but it's just because you want to do it. So if you want to make a cake, just go and make a cake and do not analyze, oh, can I, can I finish it? Can I actually, does it taste good? And you don't do it because you, you, you a lot of times I think for that, it's like spontaneous, instantaneous energy that you want to, to devote. Like you want to go out for a run, you don't analyze, right? So I think don't really make it um, over overanalyze what it is because it's actually maybe just a pottery is just a a dish or something like just keep it lightly for yourself and afterwards like after these people talking to me knowing that is not really something like a science so they pick it up and quite a number of them they turn into a regular project and they and they tell me afterwards that I've been drawing right now like as you said and I saw you can do it and I do it now and some people actually even sprang into art from painting to um, ceramic and doing pottery and they really want to keep it really as a disciplined side of of theirs I'm really happy because I inspire them to to confront themselves and to do something which is more daring, which is truly my intention. Just look at me and you can do it at the same time. But you contradict yourself because you're telling people not to overthink the situation, right. not to overanalyze the situation, to just follow their heart. But you said that you found painting through a logical process. Yes. So... How do you know you were really following logic or were you following your heart? I cannot explain that. I think that's only the happening of my life that trigger that side of me. So how I begin to do that is absolutely not what I'm encouraging people to do it. And I think for the reason that I get to do it, I know that people please do not analyze or be as practical as you have been or as I, I feel like I should have. So I'm, I'm, I'm using my own self to encourage people to tell them like the path that I, I hope that they can do instead of really, I think, dwelling or spending too much time wandering out there and eventually finding. I think time is so precious. I wish I had done it sooner. But I know like we all our life stage is planned in a way. For me, I, I truly think is already there, but it's just like as a matter of like of our courage or the way we treat it. 
what what is our values i think i'm hoping people to really understand more what value to them and they would do something to around that to shape that values and to do something with their spare time i'm just giving you a hard time because i feel that emotionally inside you were actually already had your eyes set on doing something you know with brush painting because you explained yourself you were aesthetically inclined to japanese brush painting um, or japanese and chinese calligraphy i personally feel that that is where your heart was drawn to and it was your logic kicked in when it was time for you to start doing it in the sense that okay my logic says get the paper logic says get the pen so for me i find heart versus logic like this like the heart wants what it wants right but it's the logic that helps you make money and get a job go to the store have the funds to buy the the paper have the funds to to put you know the pen to to look at books look at what inspires you to put your pen to the page all of that is necessary but i think without the heart as the grounding of or the root what if you don't desire doing it there's no art career right yes so i mean logically you got there and logically you have sped up in terms of your career trajectory and that that is where the mind is really useful but emotionally, you have to love what you're doing. I really need to emphasize that it has to excite you because every time, like every now and then, there are moments that when I draw, is like, it's really flat. I would doubt, oh, if I should actually draw this Saturday. Like if you don't draw now, like it has to be the next Saturday or Sunday. So and there are that moment. But then a lot of times it really excites me. I think that's really emotional. And I, I feel like there are times when I draw a finish a stroke, which I really like, and I will feel that that is kind of like adrenaline that you have like after a run or, or some people. It really feels that way. And I remember that feeling and that motivates me to do it again and again. It may not be a hundred times every time I do it, I have that sense of feeling, but there are times so that you, the more you do it, the more um, possibility, probability that you experience that again and again. So I, I, I agree with you that it's very hard thing, hard side and emotional side. But with the help of the logical mind, it helps me to, to achieve it further. We'll take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about heart versus mind and your faith. We'll be right back. So I remember we were having a conversation on WhatsApp recently or last year regarding meditation or prayer. How do you turn off the mind so that you can let your inspiration flow and your desires flow, for example, on a day-to-day -day basis? I know this is something that you, it's, you know, we never figure it out. You know, it's a journey, right? It's a whole life journey. But where are you now regarding your journey of mind versus heart or turning off the mind? And what do you do on the day-to-day -to, -day to be able to get centered or to get in the flow of things? 
I basically pray every day, sometimes even not even, like uh, once definitely, twice, um, sometimes. And I pray during the beginning of the day so that it kind of like a, helps me to align myself better for a, to, to get ready for the whole day. And prayer is very important for me to feel connected to, to God. I'm a Christian. And I think it's very important to know why we are here and who we are drawn to. I'm, I'm, I need to feel connected and feel grounded. And I would thank gratitude is the core of my prayer. I thank him for everything, for even something unpleasant. I know he has planned everything. So I would feel more ready after praying. And that is the time that I, I can actually feel um, grounded. It could be very fast, maybe a few minutes, or it could be long, longer as in maybe 10, 15 minutes. I used to meditate, but not so much now. Um, I think I need to pick it up. And prayer is is different from meditation, but I think it has a similar purpose. So that is how I get into the spiritual mode and to work in everything that I have to do for that day. Could it be work or art? I personally find prayer is meditation. For me, meditation is a broad term, uh, really, because there's no one way to meditate, to be honest. Right. Um, so whether you're, uh, I grew up Catholic, as a lot of my listeners know, so whether I'm praying the rosary or chanting or, you know, just having a still mind, or if you're having, I have conversations with source. I find that in a way equivalent to having conversation with a higher self, or how yeah. do you find prayer and meditation different? I would think that for meditation, there are a lot more quiet times that you really give that stillness, um, you sink into that stillness and without worrying, without having to think of anything, it's just like really going blank, but not without an intention. I think really people nowadays, we, we do not have a lot of me time, me time not only being alone in a space, but really having that quietness. And that is very important. I think we have a chance to to get that clarity through meditation. And um, that is something really I think a lot of us should do because the more you encounter or confront yourself, I think there are things that you will sort out and you can deal with. I have a lot of worries. I have a lot of stress and pressure. But um, I think I would confront those when I speak to God. But then I have a few better grounded and I need actually to enhance it through meditation to, to just actually, I think is, is a moment to empower self to train our spiritual muscle into knowing that there is stillness and then you just have to let go. So for you, prayer is, is like problem solving with god or it's is more it asking conversation conversation right. yeah um it, it's a chat it's a dialogue and there's a it's more like a two-way because not like he can speak to me through through energy not like he is giving me certain advice the more you chat the more you're geared towards certain direction if you really truly are embracing 
and listening to him. I'm still I'm still working it out because I have friends that they would actually I, they would get that calling from God. They would notice that they would be able to identify that message from him more. I'm still in kind of like sometimes confused. Sometimes I'm like talking to myself. You know when you're just talking to yourself and talking to someone. Like I mean God. So you because you want to have certain message. You want to receive certain message and then you chat and then you you would comfort yourself in okay I should do that because actually you want to do that. It's not like you should do it. Isn't a big part of Christianity listening to what yes. God has to say? <laughs> yes. So when you're talking a lot, you're not actually listening, are you? So that's why we have to really <laughs> keep that balance. Yes. yes. But then you have to be honest, really be candid. I definitely think listening, you know, whether you're Christian or not is key. Uh, you have to listen. And I think what's great about doing art, especially Chinese ink art, is you're not talking to anybody. You are just you, your brush and pen. So in a way, do you ever get that while you're doing the art, you hear things like you hear, you get inspiration or you get inspirational thoughts or inspirational urges while you're doing your brush paintings i think that urges is like how i move my brush i don't really hear anything <laughs> i think i'm so into it i'm i'm figuring out oh how does this ink blotch like on on the paper would i like i'm, I'm more into motion that act of painting because it's actually a very short instant like for that brush it could be like seconds like 10 seconds or even for larger ones. So that is like really um, the moment I should really focus on, on, on the stroke. So you have uh, your ink works and you have prayer and then you have meditation as forms of aligning day to day. How did you find Chris, you know, cause you, I think you mentioned to me before that you actually didn't grow up in a Christian household how did you find Christianity? Like at what age and, um, and at what point and did you find it? And how long have you been a Christian? Right. I think similar to a lot of people in Hong Kong, um, I, the moment I go to school, I went to a, um, a, a religious school, like, like Catholic, kindergarten, and then primary school and secondary school. So we go to... Um, Catholic school and learning religious studies, taking exams and pretty much like, and then get your grade. And I wasn't baptized that time. And so I finished my school. I went to the States. I went to Jesuit um, university. I'm, I actually, I feel actually very, uh, not intentionally to find that type of, of um, school to go, but I, I feel good, but I still wasn't baptized. <laughs> and afterwards I, I, came back to Hong Kong. I work and then it wasn't really in my life, religion. So, but then I was invited to a sermon by a friend because she told me she's going to a service in a commercial building. I was like, what? <laughs> I, I was like really always been in that um, notion that it should be in a church. So I was like, oh, would you like, and then we'll go to, and we will have lunch. And I was like, okay, why not? I just want to see how it's being structured. I was really nosy. And I was like, why not? And I was soon after that session, I was like, 
impressed by the priest, um, by the by the pastor, I should say. And I was like, oh, is actually a pretty helpful sermon. And because and 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 at work in career life and then day in day out who would teach you like everything is so commercial intentional and is commercial like materialistic so i was like i enjoy that sermon and i want and i really feel gra- like grateful for people with a good intention kindness and as like, i i actually go like never stop soon after that so and then i think after a year or two i was baptized and i choose to because i feel like really belong and I think that is a very, um, I would not, not well planned, but then that's how I started my Christian life. How old were you when that happened? I was like, I think 30 something. Yeah. Yeah. You were already well into adulthood. Do you think that Christianity has helped guide your art career? I think it wasn't really directly impacting it but then for the faith or for the being spiritual grooms my spiritual side and i want to express that spirituality into something into my work i think that's the relationship between christianity and my work because and and interestingly a lot of people think that my work is kind of like zen i don't think there is a conflict but then it's not really like the type of is, is not as direct as in you see Christianity in my art, but it seems like more Buddhism or Zen-driven, uh, which I totally don't mind. I think that we're all like one universe, and as long as it draws you to be to see something, some kindness in it, and it motivates you, and that's, I think, it, it fulfills me already. You know, I find not just Christianity, but all kinds of religion really... Um, centered around giving back to the community and charity you know how has faith taught you to be a charitable person or or is this something that you've always been uh, ever since you were a child you know to be giving back to people or to be helping other people um it wasn't as obvious that i wanted to help people when i was like young or, or small but i i like enjoy volunteer work and i think it was more like back in the university life i would choose my free time to do some volunteer work like helping street people in the states like cooking or like just just doing that i think that makes me feel good and i figure out why and how i can feel good actually i think is through helping people but i'm then i'm i'm more strategic in a way okay how can i feel better more often so i figure out i do quite a number of volunteer work, different types um, in the States and back in Hong Kong. I reached out to elderly. I was nursing babies. I was uh, visiting um, um, people, drug addicts. I go to prison. I write to them. I write letters to prisoners and um, not only donating, I want to experience that through outreach. So I visit elderly at home who live alone and do all sorts. So just to figure out what's more about life. And I think for the belief that I think there's goodness in people and the world we live in, it could be better. So I want to do it through, like, in a, in a personal way to reach people. But I figure out, because of my mom, I couldn't do reach out a lot, but I still want to help people. So I want to do it through my art. And I think it's possible because if you, it wasn't so obvious that I, I figure out how to help people through my art, but I think I let, I, it, it evolves. 
because I have that intention and then you figure out way to do it. If I couldn't spend time with other elderly, how can I do it? I have one elderly at home, which I think it, it actually, it, it serves a purpose, but then there are many others who need my time or help at the same time. They still need me. They still need me. So how can I do it? So I think money is very important. So I use my skills or what I can do and to translate into for fundraising. And I slowly through the process figure out while you're raising funds, you can actually create awareness, just like how, why you're talking to me right now. They're curious people when they figure out, okay, this is the organization that you're donating. What is it about them? Why? And then they will ask you more. And, um, so I think that that builds slowly, but then if you're very focused, you want to achieve that, you figure out. A lot of people say, oh, I can't really donate money because, you know, I earned this paycheck you know, month to month, and then a portion goes to rent, a portion goes to um, whatever, clothes, a portion goes to going out, a portion, a portion goes to tithing or whatever. So there's not much left to donate to the elderly or, you know, but I find that very lack mindset, you know, like the only you can only have a certain amount of abundance. So therefore you don't have enough abundance or future abundance to give back to others. What I find really interesting with your story is that you are, you have defined your life grounded in charity with the basis of art being the channel through in order to give charitably. And you've given 300,000, you know, that's like a set two people's salary in Hong Kong or like one person's salary, annual salary in Hong Kong. That is a lot of money. In a way, you were able to move beyond your paycheck to paycheck mentality, found a talent in addition to that, and then found a stream of income in order to give charitably. So I guess my point being is that if you want to give, you will find a way to give. If you if you want to be charitable, you will find avenues in order to let that abundance come in so that you can share the abundance. This in addition to you having a paycheck month to month, you know, because you have a career. What do you as a last question? What do you, what advice would you give people who feel like they really want to give charitably, but they don't know how to do it? I guess it's a similar question to what I had before regarding creativity, pivoting into creativity from like, you know, a non-creative career. But I guess this is a slightly different question because this is about charity. Like if, if I personally don't think I have enough to give but I want to give, what do you tell people like that? I think they should have the mindset that giving is not only about money. I think is like being charitable is to be kind to, to people. 
and it could be translated into money or it could be translated into a visit to their house or a ring or a Zoom or a message even on the text where we're so a like like skewed towards sending text. I think do what you feel comfortable, but at the same time to reach out just to say hello. Or I've always been telling a lot of people, even if you just smile a little bit more to your neighbors, like not exactly your neighborhood, like to the people, to your guard and to like, I know we're in a rush every day. I'm, I'm a super like person rushing to, to things and appointments, but I think we can still do that with, with more kindness and more smiles. I, I was actually, when I was really young, I was very aloof. I think um, I, I was kind of like playing it cool. <laughs> but now it's like, I'm always like more smiley. And I, I think that really changed your life. That is just to as simple as a smile. And I'm, I'm often being recognized or remembered by people. It's like, oh, you're a laughter. And it's like, I laugh really loudly there was a time my friend said that she she knows that I'm I was there I said well how do you know I I I I heard your laughter I said what (laughs) but I think that's very contagious like charity could be a smile and and if you can get that really far further away and contagious you actually have a very positive impact already I think that's as simple as that I'm glad you brought up smiling and laughter because a lot of people say my superpower is my crazy laugh as well. You know, uh, have you high heard five. me? You know, <laughs> high five. Have you heard me do this deep <laughs> kind of laugh? It's like a very kind of unique laugh, but it makes people like get out of their mind and kind of like be in the present because they're like that. Whoa, that is such a weird laugh, but that's that, kind of funny. I want to laugh as well, you yes. know, so... Laughter is very contagious. You're right. And I think less, you know, more of that going on. Right. More of that. Totally. Laughter. (laughs) And I think besides laughter, being present, you know, like being really present when you're with other people, like really looking at them, really listening to them and really knowing that you're there, you know, and, and I feel that whenever I see you around, you really do that. You really look at me in the eye. You really smile. You are really in the present moment with the people who are you, you're around, like you're really listening to them. And I think it starts with that, you know, really the intention to listen, to be in the same physical, mental, and spiritual space with other people when you're around them, because everyone has value. It may not be monetary value. It could be, you know, emotional value. People are born perfect and people are born with value and people are born just as they are. And the more that we see the value in other people, just who they are, just who they they are meant to be. And when you're with them, you accept them as they are. You accept their value as they are. I feel that you're like that with me um, and the people you're around. And I think that already is, it should be normal, but in this day and age, it is quite charitable um, to have that kind of energy from you and that kind of space and that kind of time, because I know you're a very busy person. So speaking of time and busyness, we have run out of time for this episode with Michelle Lee. So we want to thank her. Where can we find your work? 
Yes. Um, thank you. Thank you for the time. And you can find my work from my website is my full name, um, Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-L-I-E.com. And I'm on Instagram, but that is um, my, my handle um, is Michelle Lee Studio. So that is IG and Facebook. So I welcome all sorts of comments. So you can email me so you can find a contact from both um, platform. So we'll add that in the show notes. And that's Michelle without an E at the end, just Michelle, double L, right. and then L-I-E. So that's like three L's in one um, URL. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's good. All right. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you. Thank Enjoy you. it. Thank you. Aligned by Design was brought to you by Archipelago Media, a division of Archipelago Limited, Hong Kong. Our amazing theme music was composed for us by Ollie Shelton, a Brighton-based composer, producer, and pianist specializing in ambient, electronic, and alternative music. He is half of the UK duo Pella and works alongside a range of up-and-coming artists and established acts around the globe. You may contact him on Instagram at o underscore s underscore music and ollieshelltonmusic.com. That's O-L-L-Y Shelton music.com you may contact me on instagram at jj.acuna that's at jj.acuna you may also follow us on our new instagram account for the podcast at align by design with jj that's at align by design with jj if you enjoyed this podcast please make sure to rate us on apple podcast and subscribe on apple podcast or follow us on spotify or wherever you get your podcasts we thank our guests and partners of the podcast and as always take time to align by your very own design whatever that may be